Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to the Simple Flying Podcast, where we will give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Now, let's get on with the show. After a couple of special episodes, we're back to our usual format. Hooray! Coming up in today's show, Lufthansa reveals the true impact of the current aviation climate, and I take a look at an Air France flight that didn't receive a warm welcome in the Republic of Congo. I'll take a look at what the current situation could mean for the future of the Airbus A380, and we'll look at some of the weird and wonderful and long flights that have come out of the crisis. Finally, we'll round it off with a light-hearted story in our usual fashion. So, let us begin. So, I wanted to start with a story from Lufthansa, um, which I think is probably the biggest single aviation story we had last week. And that is because Lufthansa has been one of the first airlines to sort of fully outline where it stands um, with regards to now and the future. And um, I mean, the Austrian Airlines CEO himself said that he doesn't see um, a recovery of the sort of usual traffic levels until 2023, which surprised me. Um, But clearly this is something that's being seen across the whole Lufthansa um, fleet because 32 aircraft now won't fly for Lufthansa again. Um, which ever, ever. Is, yeah, um, it's quite sad. Um, they would, I don't know if they're just going to get sent to scrap or storage. Um, they probably haven't even worked that out yet, but um, they won't be flying for the airline, which is sad. Um, that comprises of six A380s, um, which we will talk a bit about later. Um, they were due to leave the fleet in 2020 already, so 2022, sorry. Um, so it's not a huge surprise that they're going, but it's still um, a bit earlier than expected, yeah. certainly. Um, and then there's five 747-400s, which again, airlines around the world are already retiring the 747-400, so that's not a huge shock. Um, there's seven A340-600s, which are the ones that have the toilets in the cargo hold <laughs> always um, a joy to fly on one of those yeah i'm really sad because i really wanted to experience that and i wonder if the chances are diminish- diminishing now um and on a short haul front there's 11 a320s going and free lufthansa city line a340 300s um and the reason that um lufthansa has targeted these aircraft are because they're both the oldest and the um, least fuel efficient. So they're costing the most to run. And also some of them are getting sort of more towards the end of their natural lives. For example, like if they were to say, we're going to get rid of our A350s, there'd be an uproar because they're brand new. Um, yeah, and yeah. I mean, even with the A380s, they've only been, they're sort of less than 10 years old roughly wow. or around 10 years old maybe that so. seems to be the lifespan of an a380 for many airlines doesn't it so sadly uh, yeah yeah um, it's uh, it's not surprising and it does make sense but it, as you say it is quite a sad announcement to have uh, to have carried yeah. last week yeah and i mean it's not just um sort of lufthansa that's being affected as i said um austrian aren't expecting traffic to recover for years um 
Euro Wings is going to get rid of 10 A320s and reassess its long haul operation. Uh, German Wings has been canned. And um, about even, time too, really. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, no offense to German Wings, but it's been on a life support for the longest time, hasn't it, really? I'm just glad that I'm going to have to stop explaining to people that Euro Wings and German Wings are different airlines because <laughs> for the longest time, everyone's like, no, German Wings was rebranded to Euro Wings. And no, it wasn't. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of glad about that because it simplifies things. But um, at the same time, I'm wondering why German Wings has been a separate entity for so long because it has just yeah. been operating flights for Euro Wings, even the livery is Euro Wings, just with the door painted operated by German Wings. You have um, to look really hard to know that it's German Wings, don't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm guessing a lot of those staff will be absorbed into other Lufthansa Group operations anyway. So hopefully it's not a signal of an awful lot of job losses. Yeah, I mean, we have to see because it depends whether they're saying German Wings will be discontinued and we're also scrapping those aircraft. If they're absorbed into Eurowings, then it's not such a problem. But of course, Eurowings is getting rid of 10 of its A320s. So perhaps right. the Eurowings A320s could be replaced by German Wings ones. It's, who right, knows? right. Um, and this wasn't this the first proper contraction of Lufthansa in like decades or something? Because um, it's been growing ever since, yeah. well, year dot really. And now it's actually going to be a smaller airline when it comes back. I think it's um, the first for Lufthansa for a long time. It's the first that I can recall seeing sort of a permanent change since the crisis began. Because obviously we've had like, oh, we're not flying till June. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. But they're not permanent. Um, this is the first one that's really been like, this is changing and forever it won't change. Yeah. <laughs> it will change and then it won't change back. So. Yeah, yeah. Sad times. Mm. Indeed. Um, I mean, but it's interesting because I reckon we will see more of these to come because Lufthansa obviously is a big airline. They yeah. are on top of it, you know, so I can't see Lufthansa... Um, making these changes and not others. But I think we'll it's really we'll interesting that Austrian airlines are looking, you know, not just next year, but like two or three years down the line for aviation to recover. They're the first ones that have really stuck their neck out and said that's how long it's going to take. So uh, it'll be interesting if their predictions do play out. And I feel that they're closer to being on the money than some of the airlines that are still holding out hope for something coming back this summer. Yeah. But uh, I guess that time will tell. Hmm. I'm just hoping that I can still go on my holiday in May, but <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. I don't think I think it will. your chances are slim to none right now, Tom. <laughs> I don't know. It depends because I've I've heard whispers that um they're gonna start relaxing things here in Germany. I know in Denmark they're planning this and in Austria, so hopefully yeah. Germany says, Oh, you can travel to Europe and Greece. Well, says, you guys oh, have done an amazing Germans. job of managing the crisis, you know, and uh, mm. far more inspired than uh, the reaction we've seen here in the UK. But let's not get into <laughs> politics right now. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Although there could be a sort of hint of that in your next story, isn't that true? Uh, politics, yeah, possibly. Um, so 
what we are seeing a lot of, and surprisingly, is airlines operating unusual repatriation flights. And one such flight took place this uh, past Saturday, the 11th, um, when Air France took an A330-200 all the way from Paris down to Pointe Noire, which is in uh, the Republic of Congo. And somebody's pointed out to me this morning that that's not the same as the Democratic Republic of Congo. So I'm learning a bit about uh, African geography here as well. Um, anyway, this A330 was heading down to Point Noir to repatriate 100 French travellers who were stranded there. It was then supposed to fly on to a place called Bangui, which is in the Central African Republic, to pick up another 120 passengers. However, <laughs> when they arrived in the Republic of Congo, they didn't have exactly the warm re reception they were hoping for. Um, actually, somebody fired two shots at the aircraft with um, a PMAC assault rifle and completely shredded the fuselage in one place. It went right through the, the exterior of the aircraft. Um, local reports are saying this was actually an airport gendarmerie who was allegedly intoxicated at the time, although clearly we're going to have to wait for the official reports to come out to see what happened there. Um, but yeah, so it punctured the fuselage. The second shot was a little bit off target and kind of drove itself into the runway, thank goodness. And nobody was hurt, which is the best news. But obviously the plane couldn't fly. So the onward flight had to be postponed for 24 hours while they sent a replacement aircraft down from Paris. Um, and they've actually sent a 777 this time with uh, engineers on board to fix the A330. But, you know, this is just the most bonkers news I've heard for about a week when they're trying to rescue their stranded citizens and somebody decides to destroy the aircraft. I mean, what was going on there? Yeah, that's a really strange story. I think that's one of the more bizarre ones I've seen since this whole crisis unfurled, but um, I do hope that they're able to fix that plane and get it back to France at some point. Absolutely. And that all those other people get picked up. Um, I mean, you know, waiting for 24 hours, I suppose, isn't the worst thing, but it was a shame it happened. Mm. Um, and strange, they sent a Boeing 777 rather than one of their A380s. Maybe there's a reason for that, Tom. Could you tell us a bit more? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. I do wonder um, what the future for the a380 is, however, because um, it wasn't super popular before the crisis. You know, like Lufthansa's um, six were going to go in 2022 anyway, back to Airbus. Um, Air France is already getting rid of the aircraft. However, I do worry that the crisis could be used sort of as a death sentence for the aircraft. And let me sort of justify that because obviously... I don't think it's definitely like the last A380 is going to get scrapped tomorrow because if you look at Emirates, um, half of their fleet is the A380. So um, even if they yeah, don't return, they can't with their afford full to might, phase it out, really. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I'm not expecting them just to tomorrow say we're operating our full flight schedule, but um, they're left without a significant number of aircraft if they get rid of the A380. But for airlines such as Air France, which only has ten. It's a bit easier because um, the the A380 is a wonderful aircraft, but it's also a victim of its own design, you know, because it's got this huge high capacity. It's absolutely brilliant for, like, I mean, Lufthansa is using them at the moment to repatriate citizens because you can just fill it to the brim. Um, and it's brilliant on high-density routes, especially where it's difficult to get so many slots because um, you can use one slot and carry 
twice the number of passengers. But the problem with it is, because of this high capacity, you need so many passengers to fill it um, to make it economic to run, which is going to yeah. be a huge challenge going forward after this. Um, and sort of a similar problem is if you do fill it to the brim and then one of them gets grounded for maintenance reasons, you're suddenly scrambling to work out what to do because you can send a triple seven, but that's going to leave not enough people, 200 people, 100, 200 people with no way to get home. Um, but, you could always hire the Highfly A380, of course. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I do wonder about the, that one as well. Um, but I do I do worry that it's... Um, I don't think it's going to be the end by any means, but I think the A380 landscape... I mean, obviously, the whole aviation landscape is going to be completely different on the other side of this. But I think, specifically, yeah. we won't see a number of A380s back in the sky. Um, no, I think you're right. And I mean, we've already seen uh, British Airways um, fly six of its A380s down to France for long-term storage. And um, and I think another five are due to fly this week sometime uh, with the remaining aircraft being in Manila for long-term maintenance. So that's grounded anyway. So that's like the whole British Airways fleet grounded. Now, my understanding is that at this moment in time, they are simply grounded and they will be back. However, anything... That's the official line anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't think that British Airways would completely scrap the A380 because bizarrely, it's like where a lot of air, airlines have had a real trouble with this aircraft from an economic standpoint, it really works for British Airways um, when yeah, they're busy. Yeah, on certain routes, it does work yeah. well, doesn't it? Um, and I mean, even like a year ago or just over a year ago, just before... Uh, Airbus scrapped the project. Willie Walsh was like, "If we get the right price, we'll buy more." Um, yeah, and but he didn't. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, um, they didn't get the right price, I guess. Um, <laughs> although that does lead the next question: is will there be aircraft at the right price now? <laughs> Quite possibly. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah. I mean, in general, I don't see any reason to bring back any of these old aircraft, you know, particularly the high capacity ones. And if people like the Austrian Airlines CEO is right in saying it's going to take maybe up to three years for the industry to get back to where it was at the beginning of this year, then by then they'd be phased out anyway. So I think, you know, there'll be an awful lot of aircraft not returning to the skies. Um, you know, I think the A340 is another one that we've seen yeah. accelerating its retirement. And as you said, the 747s and over in the US, a lot of airlines are looking at their 757s and 767s. Mm. Um, was it American that said they're going to be retiring their 767s early by May or something? I think it was. I mean, I'm not too clued up on that specific story, but I can talk a bit more about BA because obviously <laughs> I know everything <laughs> about BA, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I'm, BA has sent four, five, sorry, uh, 747s to a Spanish aircraft graveyard. And I mean, my understanding at the moment is that they're being stored. However, like BA is already planning to get rid of the 747 in two, three years time. Yeah. Uh, I can certainly see at least some of the 747s not coming back, if not the majority of them. I don't think them. any of them will come back, but I'm, I'm quite pleased to see none of them are the beautiful retro jets. They're still in the UK, so uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be seeing now. those returning to the skies. <laughs> mm. But, um, I mean, 
while these big, wonderful aircraft aren't flying the majority of the times, a couple of the sort of a couple of airlines are keeping A380s and such in service because of their huge capacity. Um, yeah. And I mean, we did see like um, Lufthansa flew. Um, what was it? It was like five A three fifties and five seven four sevens to uh, Auckland and Christchurch in New Zealand, of all places. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, do you want to tell us a bit more about some weird and wonderful flights that we've seen recently? Sure. I mean, it's absolutely a, a horrible time for the industry, but a really exciting time for um, av geeks and spotters because there's all sorts of strange liveries popping up in unusual places around the world and, and a lot of sort of personal bests being broken by airlines as well. So just over the weekend on Easter Sunday, Highfly flew its A340 to Montevideo in uh, Uruguay um, and it flew there to pick up some stranded Australians and then flew off to um, Melbourne. Um, and this landed sort of early hours of Easter Sunday morning. And it had been flying for around 16 hours and nine minutes, covering over 12,000 kilometers. And this is the first time there's ever been a direct flight between that part of South America and Australia. And it was a bit of a record for high fly as well. You know, we don't think, and please do correct us if I'm wrong, but we don't think an A340 has ever flown quite that far before. So it was a pretty cool flight for lots of reasons. Um, yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, the downside was that there were um, 217 passengers on board and over half of them had already tested positive for coronavirus. Um, they'd come off this stranded cruise ship called Greg Mortimer, um, which had had terrible trouble trying to dock anywhere. It's been sort of floating around the South Pacific for, for several weeks now. Um, but High Flies really sort of grasped the needle with this, and they've they've been advertising these ready-to-go response teams um, for repatriation flights. So these guys know how to handle the sort of government issues. They turn up with the right medical equipment, the full PPE, which is more than you can say for our NHS, um, you know, crew that are specially trained in how to deal with um, coronavirus issues and obviously the post-flight sanitization methods that really makes the planes ready to go again. So, um, it really exciting, I think, in terms of not just high fly but also the A340 and its capabilities and you know I think high fly much as I wouldn't like to see anyone capitalizing off this uh, current issue it's good to see that they have kind of scaled up if you like and and specialized to offer a service that's going to be good to a, an awful lot of governments around the world so that was the longest flight of this weekend but we've seen some really cool other flights over the last few weeks so I think it was about a week ago, Scandinavian airline SAS completed its longest ever flight. Um, they operated a brand new A350-900 all the way to Peru. Um, so the flight was about 11,000 kilometers each way. And on the way back, it was just about full to capacity, repatriating stranded Scandinavians back home. So, uh, you know, it's clear that there's an awful lot of people that are still displaced. Um, and that flight was the longest nonstop flight in the airline's history. And as a 70-year-old airline, that's a pretty cool, uh, cool thing to do. Um, I know, um, I think it was Austrian or Swiss um, flew a particularly long flight recently down to um, South America. I forget exactly where it was off yeah. the top of my head. Um, it was um, Santiago de Chile. Yes, that was um, it. 
and it was bringing Swiss travellers home. So they flew a 777, yeah. um, a two-year-old 777, and it was a seven-and-a-half-hour flight, which, again, is the longest non-stop flight ever operated by Swiss. Yeah. Um, and then also we saw a really cool one with uh, Ethiopian um, so you'll remember, I think we mentioned on a previous podcast that British Airways flew three 777s down to Havana to rescue some yes. people off a cruise ship. Ethiopian Airlines had to do the same. They, they went to New Orleans to bring back some cruise ship employees. Mm. Um, so unlike British Airways, who flew a beautiful looking convoy from Heathrow down to uh, South America, um, Ethiopian had to kind of gather these planes from wherever they were all over the world. So one came from Stockholm, one came direct from their hub at Addis, another one came from um, Addis via Dublin, and another one came from Frankfurt, your neck of the woods, Tom. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they did fly back in something of a convoy to Ethiopia, which was cool to see. But, uh, mm. you know, we're seeing an awful lot of these. I think you've had a, a few strange liveries up in Frankfurt, haven't you? Yeah, we have. I mean, um, we've seen... I saw the Highfly, um, their new A330neo was up here the other day on one of its long around the world things. And um, recently I've seen two or three um, Air New Zealand aircraft taking off, which is great because they take off and they come right over the flat. So I'm just out on the balcony with the camera, snap, 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 um, <laughs> which great. I'm loving. But we had another interesting one the other day, which was uh, South African Airways A340. We usually get the A350 to Frankfurt when things are op operating normally. However, we had an A340, but it didn't come from South Africa. It actually came from Munich. Um, All right. Which is an interesting one. I didn't actually look into that one, so I'm not sure why <laughs> we had a flight from Munich to Frankfurt, but hey, it happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been cool. And I think, you know, for any spotter kind yeah. of peering out at their local air airport, it's pretty cool to see all these different liveries hopping around. And uh, I think it's really good to see airlines pulling together to get people home as well. You know, it's one of the upsides of the current crisis, I think, is how dynamic airlines are being and how flexible mm. they are being to make sure people get back where they need to be. I mean, the one that I'm really upset that I missed, um, just because I didn't know it was happening, I didn't look out for it, is um, BA flew a 787 to Frankfurt. Um, oh. <laughs> I think it was hopping around Europe, maybe doing mail or something. Um, I doubt they were taking passengers from Zurich to uh, Frankfurt, for example. But um, that's a bit of a shame because I would have definitely been there with the camera for that one. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But there is, as much as there's an upside to all these weird and wonderful flights, the distinct lack of flights is leading to a downside on uh, something else, isn't it, Tom? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean... Um, the this was actually sort of a bit of an older story, but um, it's not been on the podcast um, because we ran a special episode last week. So I actually came across this story on the 1st of April, and I did have to double check that it wasn't an April Fool's. But um, weather forecasts are actually being affected by the lack of aircraft in the sky. And when you actually think about it, it does make sense because... Um, You've got all of these aircraft up wherever, they're right in the midst of the weather, so what better, you've got these measuring instruments right in the middle of the weather, what better way to sort of make use of them than take the data? So, um, to I didn't know they did that, actually. I, I didn't, didn't know that commercial flights contributed to weather at all. Yeah, this was completely news to me, but apparently... Um, such variables such as ambient temperature and wind speed um, are commonly sent from aircraft to 
um, the ground stations, I guess, and then they're processed and they're part of your weather forecast. Um, yeah. And there's a huge number of these that are being collected each day. I think there's 700,000 points uh, measured on a typical day in aviation. Wow. Um, just from all these planes flying around. But of course, planes aren't flying right now, so they're not up in the sky to record these points. Um, and the data isn't being collected. And that's then not being fed back to the meteorological stations. So they're now having to rely solely on like their ground-based observations and satellite stuff. And um, there was a quote from um, the director of Earth Systems Branch in the WMO's infrastructure department. And I'm going to apologize because I'm going to completely butcher this name, but it's, um, <laughs> I believe, Lars Peter Rishojgaard. Um, <laughs> I'll take your word for it on that one, Tom. Yeah. Um, he said, as the decrease in availability of aircraft weather observations continues and expands, we may see a gradual decrease in reliability of the forecasts. Um, so it's an interesting one because there's obviously um, benefits to um, not flying in a way. One of our writers today was reporting that CO2 emissions from aviation have dropped considerably. And that's understandable mm. because, again, if um, planes aren't flying, they're not producing CO2, but we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> not and, this time, anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's an interesting one because it's something that you don't realize happens. But when you look at all of the bits that come together, it makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you collect that data while you're up there in the troposphere yeah. or whichever it is? Um, so cool. I do. I do slightly worry that... Um, when it's saying we're not, we're going to have sun next week, we're not, but <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, we've got lucky so far and uh, I hope the weather's as nice wherever you're listening as it is here in the UK right now. Well, I mean, we've had sort of last week for us in Frankfurt was summer and then I've woken up today and it's 13 degrees and raining and I'm wondering uh. what's happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, maybe the sun will shine on you soon, Tom. Hopefully. I think that's it for today's podcast. We hope mm. you enjoyed it and welcome any feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.